Well, hello there. Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike. And you are joining me on this drizzly Wednesday. While I ride to work. Sorry, I'm parked weird today. All right. It is rainy, but there's some blue sky showing through and a little sunshine just peeked through. It's kind of nice. Uh, I'm a little short of breath probably. I just did a uh, quick little exercise uh, with my daughter in the morning. She's home for the summer and we decided to just do a really quick little well, it's supposed to be 10 minutes and it ended up being eight minute yoga session. Yoga, you say? Yes, yoga. So I started trying some YouTube yoga um, last week. Well, actually I did it a couple weeks ago. I did a couple sessions right before I went hiking. And I survived the hiking. Uh, even though I was at my heaviest weight ever and and uh, really didn't think I was going to survive it. But I ended up doing okay. Uh, and so I'm thinking, hey, yoga, maybe there's something to this. Who knows? So of the last, let's see, just one day. Now I've done three in a row. Eight. Last nine days, eight of the days, I've done a little 10-minute yoga session. And most, most of the time in the morning. One time I did it in the evening. And I did skip one day. Uh, just to see, you know, how it is. And I, I'm doing this, I can't remember the guy's name. You'll find him on YouTube if you search Beginner's Yoga for Men Over 50 or something like this. Uh, he, he, he lives in a very snowy place and he does yoga outside, like in the snow. Um, <laughs> which is kind of interesting, but yeah, it's, it's kind of nice too. Uh, anyway... I had no idea whether this guy was good. I just tried it, and it's it's a doable routine, even for an overweight, uh, out of shape, fifty-something dude. Uh, it's doable. It's it's repeatable. It's sustainable so far. It doesn't take too much out of you, but it does boost your energy level and a little bit of metabolism, and and so I'm hoping that it's going to turn into something. So my. Uh, youngest daughter Kiara used to do a little yoga and so I talked her into going out and doing a quick little yoga with me and so we just did a really quick uh, eight minute sessions first time I did it without YouTube um, I tried it without YouTube uh, just because I didn't have time so I had to get to work so we uh, I just kind of did it you know from remembering the video and I got almost all of it I I messed up on the warrior pose. I didn't quite get that one right. Uh, I think the knee's not supposed to be down. I think it's supposed to be up. The foot, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, yoga. Never thought I'd do it. I've resisted for a long time. Now I'm trying it, and I gotta say, I'm liking it so far. I mean, it's. I know it's not real yoga. I know it's, you know, I probably should be doing this under a yogi. Um, and maybe I will one day when I'm too embarrassed about how horrible I look right now. 
<laughs> uh, body shaming myself. Um, so yeah, who knows what'll happen with that. Um, what is going on in the world? Man, so much stuff. You know, the last couple of weeks we've talked about, you know, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Uh, that was such a big deal. Uh, last week, uh, I talked about how in so many ways evangelicalism is little more than the propaganda machine uh, of America. And that basically means right-wing America. I guess I should have made that clear, but I suppose religion on either side has been in the past, whether it's left-leaning, right-leaning, whatever, has been um, in many countries uh, propaganda machines for uh, different regimes. But certainly that's that's what evangelicalism now. It's, it's basically uh, the propaganda machine uh, for uh, conservative Christianity as far as I can tell um, and and I hate to say a little more because I think that kind of disqualifies it for anymore that doesn't mean that the spirit's not working through it somehow maybe but I and I, I I've been a part of that machine I have to I have to say you know I've I've been a part of that machine whether it's whether it's um, you know uh, in in a time that's supposedly set aside for worship of God, we sing America the Beautiful. We worship America, or uh, you know whether we um, sing the national anthem, or or even some churches doing the Pledge of Allegiance, right? Pledging allegiance to the flag, no matter what it is, uh, all of that is propaganda for America. And what is America? America is uh, the, the newest um, iteration of Babylon. Uh, and Babylon is a uh, metaphor for empire? Does, does that mean it's a metaphor? I think it's used as a metaphor many times of basically what the Bible often calls the systems of the world, the system of the world and whatnot. But, you know, I went through all that last week. I'm not going to rehash that too much today. Uh, what I do want to talk about is the Bible. Um, and maybe not in the way that uh, you think I should or, or that we usually do. Um, the Bible, as it's been handed down to us, uh, has the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, the New Testament, I believe, is 27 books, and the Old Testament is, uh, what does that make it, uh, 39, I don't know, anyway, a total of 66 books, I can't remember, uh, let's see, I, I can do this, I can do this, uh, 66 Minus 27, that's going to be hard. 39 maybe? Yeah. Uh, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. And that's without the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha are books that uh, Jews uh, and uh, I believe Catholicism accepts as scripture. 
Uh, and the problem is Jesus also used and quoted from some of the books in the Apocrypha uh, in his uh, recorded sermons. Um, so there are other books, right? Uh, and then we've talked about how, actually I guess we haven't talked about, we have all of these uh, quote-unquote Gnostic Gospels, these, these other writings that have been lumped into uh, a uh, category called Gnosticism. Gnosticism didn't exist when they were written necessarily. It's just a way that they've been kind of discredited. So if something is called a Gnostic Gospel, it's automatically considered either inauthentic or uh, errant, right? Uh, and then you have the other writings that were written after so-called biblical writings, or maybe concurrently but aren't ever considered scripture. You have the writings of Origen, for example, and uh, Irenaeus, uh, and all kinds of other uh, early church fathers. And then that continues on into uh, the modern era, whether it's uh, C.S. Lewis's writings, N.T. Wright. The point I'm trying to make is we've never really um, satisfactorily come up with criteria that define Scripture or not. Uh, except to say, basically, that certain councils that happened, we, we believe that the Holy Spirit for whatever reason was working through those councils and that the, the Bible that we, the Bibles that we um, received from them, uh, whether or not they were uh, the same or not, because different councils decided on different books. And, you know, famously, Martin Luther discredited much of the New Testament, including the book of James, which is written by the brother of Jesus, uh, and all kinds of stuff. Um, so... I guess what I'm trying to say is the Bible that we have received today, um, we trusted a little too much. I, I, I should say a lot too much. Uh, we trust it way more than perhaps uh, we should, than we have a right to, right? Um, all right, sorry, let me get through this intersection. And so here's the question, right? What is the Bible? The Bible that we've received today, the Bible that evangelicals use, the Bible that I was told uh, was basically the inerrant word of God, the, the logos, right? The creator logos is what a lot of people like to call the Bible. It is the word. Now, yes, they'll say the written word versus the, living, the, the spiritual word or the living word or whatever. Um, why do we have such confidence in it? Uh, and should we? Is that where we should be putting our confidence? In the Bible? So, Jesus talking to the Pharisees in John, I want to say chapter 5, uh, he tells the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because in them you think that you will find eternal life. But it is they that point to me. And yet you refuse to come to me to have life. G 
Jesus there in no uncertain terms says, at least for the Old Testament, that life was not found in the words. That the value of the Old Testament, the purpose of the Old Testament, the reason it was compiled and written uh, and guided by the Holy Spirit, uh, whatever that means to you, is to point us to Jesus. It does not contain eternal life. We do not attain the resurrection by knowing the Bible. We attain, we attain assurance of resurrection through knowing Jesus, the Anointed One, the Christ, right? Um, Jesus gives us life. Jesus, other places say, I have come that you might have life. A Bible, by its very nature, is not living. I, I love the Bible. I can quote the Bible. I, I feel like I have a fairly... I can't quote the whole Bible. Let's just put that out there. Uh, I feel like I have a fairly good working knowledge of the Bible that was handed down to me. And I have a woefully lacking knowledge of any of the apocryphal works or Gnostic Gospel. Um, so let me just make that clear. The Bible is a miraculous book. I think. Now, what, what that means to me may not mean what it be, be what it means to you, um, but I do find the Bible to be a special writing. And mostly because it... it points us to and then introduces us to Jesus uh, in a very succinct way, right? Uh, because if we were to try to, to find Jesus without the Bible, uh, I think it would be way more challenging. First of all, we wouldn't know who we're looking for, right? Um, and then once we found him, it might be quite difficult to ascertain his character so that we could know, uh, you know, uh, all I'm saying is it's not impossible. Uh, I think it's, it's possible to, to follow Jesus without ever having read or seen the Bible. I think it's possible. Uh, and I think people do it without even knowing it and without even know whom they're following, perhaps. Maybe they're just doing good and they don't realize that, that the image of Christ in them is why they do good. Why, why, you know, for whatever reason they were born into, uh, born, maybe born into or raised by people who just taught them to do good and to be good. That doing good and being, being good was the best way to be in the world. And, and so that's what they try to do every day, right? They try to, to help people. They try to not do harm to people. And, and you know, that is in essence... Uh, what Christ was leading us to do. That's the ball game. That's the life. That's the life in us being a conduit for more life. Right? That's, that's the life flowing through us. Uh, and so, yeah, so Jesus says that you search the scriptures, but the scriptures are pointing to me, Jesus says, to himself. And yet you won't come to me. So 
this is how I see it. It's sort of like this. It's sort of like um, you are given a map. Let's say it's a treasure map. Let's say it's a treasure map. And on the treasure map, X marks the spot where you want to get to. That's where the treasure is. Okay, that's where the treasure is. Uh, but this map is just beautifully drawn. It's on quality paper. Uh, it's aged in such a way that makes it uh, delicate and beautiful. Uh, the person who made uh, the map, who drew the map, was an artist uh, of the highest order. Uh, the way that he drew the land and the coastline uh, and, um, you know, the different uh, compass markings on it and his penmanship in labeling the map and all of these things were just so beautiful. Uh, just a beautiful map. And before long, all you want to do is take care of this map. You've fallen in love with the map. The map has has become something of beauty, something that that makes you feel good, something that that puts you in awe. And before long, uh, all you want to do is preserve that map. Uh, you want to keep it safe. Uh, you want to make sure that you always have it, and you forget the little X that marks the spot where the real treasure is. Right? Maybe this map has historical significance, so you want to preserve it uh, for uh, posterity. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it has value. Maybe you realize that if you pass this map on to your kids one day, that they will uh, have a little bit more uh, financial security than they would have had otherwise. Uh, whatever it is, um, this, this happens all the time. This is, this is something that we humans are great at, right? Um, you see people who will go buy a beautiful sports car, but they won't drive it. Why? Because you might wreck it, uh, and you also uh, put miles on it. And the more miles you put on a car, the less value it has. And so you've bought this incredibly beautiful sports car, but you don't use it for what it was meant to be used for. What about silverware, right? Uh, let's say your your uh, your grandmother hands you down a beautiful set of silver silverware. I know that's a little redundant, uh, and and it's beautiful and and it's been handed down. It has uh, significant uh, historical or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Natsukashi. No, not, not Natsukashi. Uh, sorry, that's a Japanese word. <laughs> uh, sentimental value, right? Immense sentimental value to you. And you end up just keeping it in the box. Nobody ever sees it. Nobody touches it. Nobody uses it. But you put it away uh, because if it were to be used, somebody may steal a piece or, uh, you know, somebody visiting your house or, or somebody may damage a piece. Uh, and after all, it's hard to clean and whatever, right? But you never end up using this beautiful silverware for what it was meant to be used for because uh, you find that the silverware itself 
has more value than the food that it could be putting into your mouth. Uh, what are other, you know, how, how about a, you know, a beautiful antique piece of clothing that you found that you bought because of its value, but you refuse to wear uh, and show to anybody because it can be damaged, right? These are what museums do professionally. Museums take things that have uh, value as far as their use, and they take away that value, and then we just look at them, right? We appreciate these things for themselves, not for what they can do for us. And this is not all bad. I'm not I'm not saying that at all. It's, that's that would be silly. Uh, I think there, are, you know, there are certain things. Um, you know that are that are no longer valuable for what they can do because they've been replaced with better things. And but we want to remember what they are, right? Uh, but still, yet it, I, I think even new things sometimes we buy but we, we refuse to use because uh, as soon as you use them, they're they're going to get dirty. They're going to uh, they're going to be less special than they were when they brand when they were brand new to you, right? They lose uh, they lose the shine that maybe they had. Um, I know I'm rambling on about this, but this to me is kind of what's happened with the Bible. So instead instead of the Bible's value being in pointing us to Christ, and this is what I put on Facebook, the Bible became a, a surrogate, a surrogate for Christ. It took the place of Christ. So we are we have fallen in love with the map. And completely missed the treasure-filled destination. And maybe it's because we don't trust the destination. Maybe maybe we think maybe it's not all it's it's supposed to be. Maybe we're gonna get there and it's gonna be just disappointing. You know? Maybe maybe when we step over that threshold and we we get that treasure, we we find where it is, we dig it up, maybe somebody's going to take it from us. Maybe, you know, we just don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be disappointed. We don't want to be dejected uh, and disappointed from that thing that we sought after. And therefore, we keep it just out of reach. We keep it at arm's length. Uh, we find something else uh, somewhat related to that item uh, that that you know, through a little uh, brainwashing, uh, serves to satisfy us to a certain extent. Um, that is maybe Christendom, period, but I would certainly say evangelical Christianity. And even more than that, I would say, uh, and I love you guys, uh, Churches of Christ that I grew up in. Right? We fell in love with the map and we've missed the destination. And again, this is human nature. This is something that we do. Right? Uh, we, we, we settle for far too less. We settle for far too less. And we just find a way to make it work. We, we somehow convince ourselves that it's enough. But when you, when you look at the promises that Christ made to his disciples, 
so many of them, right? I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the way and the truth and the life. Uh, all of these things, right, um, are what we're lacking. It's what we want. And the Bible may, to some extent, satisfy your longing for truth. Or you may think it does. Um, and the Bible may, to some extent, satisfy your longing for way, right? The, 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 the method by which we are to navigate life. The Bible may satisfy that for you. But I don't think the Bible is ever going to satisfy life. Living, breathing, growing, uh, reproducing. All of the things that life is. I don't think the Bible does that. In fact, because of the narrow way that we read the Bible, it becomes quite a rigid, non-living thing. Now, I think, I think the Bible can be very... What's the word I'm looking for? Vibrant? It's not quite it. Um, uh, vivid vivid has in it the, the word of life right vivid uh, viva means live uh, it, it may it may seem to live in a sense uh, I think it's deep and I think when you read the Bible through the guidance of Christ through his Holy Spirit uh, I think you can discover more and more of that life, but we can't be fooled to think that the life is in the paper and the ink, but it is in the spirit. It's in the spirit itself. It's pointing us to that life. We, we can't mistake where that life is coming from. And that is precisely idolatry when we do that. When we, when we mistake the written words for the word, the word of God, the logos of God, that's idolatry. It's precisely idolatry. We cannot mistake the map for the destination, for the, for the treasure. When we do that, that's idolatry, specifically idolatry. Whatever we use to replace Christ with is idolatry. Whether it's addictions, uh, whether it's hobbies, uh, whether it's uh, a person, Whatever it is, whatever you use to replace Christ with, to fill that void that only Christ can fill is idolatry, right? Um, but there's good news. There's great news, in fact. There's, there's gospel. There's very good news. And that good news is Christ is not going to rest until he is able to show himself to you in such a way that you will embrace him that you will finally allow him 
to take up that spot in your life where you lack the most, where you need him the most. He's not going to give up on you. It doesn't matter how many times you've rejected him. He's going he's gonna to try again. He's going to try again. He is patient and he is gentle. Uh, he will do it in a way that will not violate your free will. He is there. He's just waiting. He's, he's, he's not afraid. He knows that eventually you will see the light in this life or the next. So take heart. For Christ has overcome the world, and so will we. Uh, yeah, let's not be, let's not be uh, the propaganda machine for empire. Um, Constantine made the church the propaganda machine for the Roman Empire. Uh, the British uh, and the Queen and uh, well the royal family made uh, the Church of England the propaganda for their empire. Uh, America has made evangelicalism the propaganda for their empire. Uh, this is just how empire works. Empire wants to do what it wants to do and that is subdue and subject the earth to its authority. And to do that they need an ideology uh, that will that will benefit them. Wow, I kind of uh, jumped over my other subject and went back to the first subject that I said I was not going to talk about. Uh, I wasn't talking about that, but I, that's just a theme that just keeps coming back to me. How, how to break free of that, that's another question. Uh, that's not easily done. Uh, not easily done at all. So sorry about the uh, schizophrenic uh, subject changing. That's what happens when you drive. You you have to focus on the road, and sometimes you forget where you were, where you were going. And actually, I think I got to a place that I'm satisfied with before, so I don't really need to go back to it. Um, but I do have about five more minutes of driving, unfortunately. So. Just drag you guys along with me. Why not? Yeah, so the 4th of July was this week. And uh, every year that the 4th of July comes, I am less and less interested in celebrating it. To the point where this year, I really didn't celebrate it at all. Um, first of all, it comes on the wrong day here. It was a Monday. Monday this year. And. You know, I'm working Monday's my hardest day at work, and there's just no time to celebrate on that day. And uh, there are some things that I appreciate about the uh, the revolting against uh, authority. Uh, in theory, uh, I think there are authorities that need to be revolted against, uh, uh, especially right now. I think religious authorities need to be. Uh, held accountable for what they're teaching uh, 
and when they do um, veer from the way of Christ, they need to be uh, corrected. Uh, but I think, you know, where I differ is in the specifics of all the, you know, there's a lot of propaganda that happened during the Revolutionary War that was not necessarily true. Uh, you know, some of, the, some of the ironic things about the Revolutionary War was that, you know, America claimed that it was being enslaved by Great Britain, and that's why they revolted, and yet they continued to enslave uh, black Africans uh, for hundreds of years after. Well, a hundred years after. A little less than a hundred. But anyway, that they were, they didn't see the hypocrisy in that. It's ridiculous. And maybe that's, maybe that's what ignited all the hypocrisy that now exists in, in evangelicalism. Because evangelicalism is, is basically patriotism right now. It's really not any different. Uh, it's no longer a uh, religion of Jesus. It's a religion of America. And, and it behaves accordingly. So, yeah, that's a weird... Uh, weird way to sandwich what I was talking about two completely uh, different subjects uh, maybe Let's see <laughs> and now that I've been talking about that, that subject I forgot what I was talking about the other subject what the other subject was about anyway uh, there you go I'm going to leave it at that and uh, we'll just let that be what it is and we'll get this posted hopefully around lunch although my computer battery is almost dead. Hopefully I'll have enough juice just to get this out uh, as much as I need to. So I got to get to work. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye.